Man, that question garnered a lot of response from you all. Oh, somebody said Sydney. I'm like, yes, one day, one day. Uh, hey, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. We're so grateful you guys decided to join us, whether you're in person or you're watching online. We're grateful to have you. And we say this every week, but our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, and we want to let you know about something that's happening right now. Right now, we're in the, the midst of a 21-day fast. So if you're just hearing about that, you just shaved off seven days. So it's a 14-day fast for you. Um, and here's what fasting is. Fasting is removing, removing something in the natural to focus on the supernatural. So uh, you take away like social media or watching sports because the Broncos aren't in it and Georgia just won or, uh, you know, something like that. Or in the Bible, um, every time that they fast, they're fasting food. So you give up something so that when you want that thing, when you have a desire to, to, to have that thing in your life, you instead turn to God and you go after him in prayer and in worship and all of that. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't already joined us, join us on, on the, for the next 14 days and fasting and just asking God to show up in your life in some powerful way. Uh, in addition to that, we're opening up the ministry center Monday through Friday at noon. So if you have a schedule that allows you uh, during the, during the workday at 12 o'clock for like 30 minutes or so to come up to the ministry center, set an alarm on your phone uh, and join us. We, got, uh, we do a worship, do a quick devotional, and then just a time of prayer. And uh, no one's going to force you to pray out loud or anything like that. Just come and be a part and, and see what God wants to do uh, in your life. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that we find in the book of Exodus, which is the series that we're, we're going through right now. And the subject that we're looking, about, looking at today is this idea of like, where is God in the midst of a desert? You ever been in a desert season in life before? You ever been in a place where you're like, man, where is God? Like, why are these things happening? What's good? Does anybody know what I'm dealing with? Now, if you're taking notes, it's desert with one S, not dessert with two. Okay, that's really important when you're fasting uh, because you think about dessert a lot. Uh, at least I do. Uh, so what happens when you're in the midst of a, a desert season, like relationally or spiritually or maybe it's your work, or maybe it's within your purpose as a whole, or maybe it's in your health, or something like that where you feel like, man, does God see me? Does God care? We're going to look at what is God's response to us in the midst of a desert season. When I was 28 years old, I, I entered my own desert season. Uh, I, Sarah and I had been married about six years at that point, uh, and I had, a, I had a great job uh, from the outside, but man, I was struggling with some things on the inside. Uh, there were some things that I saw within leadership and at the, at the, at the workplace, and I had a buddy that tried to get me fired. It was just like crazy. Just a, and I remember like feeling just very alone, like really, really isolated. Like, God, where are you? So that's what we're looking at as we dive into this, this series. The series is called Exodus, and we're looking at uh, your, your freedom and your identity and your purpose. Like, how do you have freedom from, from sin and the things that enslave you? How do you discover who you truly are? Like, where is your identity supposed to be built in? Like, how do you know who you are? And then uh, lastly is uh, that purpose. And we all long for purpose. We all need purpose. But how do you get it? And then how do you live it out? Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying the, the first 14 chapters of the book of Exodus. Uh, and uh, we're going to be looking at those three concepts. And we've created a message series hub. So if you take that uh, worship guide that Pastor Mike just talked about, on the inside there's a QR code. If you scan that, 
then you'll be taken to this page with a bunch of options. One of those options is current series. So that current series hub, if you go there, you're going to find all kinds of resources for you to dive deeper into uh, what we're learning here together on Sundays. You're going to find uh, something to read, something to watch, and something to listen to. And the reason why we make sure there's those three things specifically is because some of you, you love to read. You're like, man, I love reading. Some of you are like, I haven't read a book ever in my life. Uh, but you'll watch a video or you'll listen to a podcast. So we're just trying to give different options. And the reason why we created these message series hubs is because a few months ago, we did a survey to you and we asked, you know, a bunch of different questions. And the main thing that came out of it was the majority of you said, this year, I want to grow in my faith. And so as a church, that is our job is to help you. Our job is not to feed you, it's to make you hungry. So like teach something that you go, man, I want to learn more about that, and then to resource you in that area. And so that's what those message series hubs are all about. If you come to me a year from now, and you're like, Ernest, I'm just not growing in my faith, I'm going to ask, are you taking advantage of the message series hubs? If you say no, I'll be like, then I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that, but I'm going to think it for a moment and be like, what do you need to do to take advantage of what we're offering you because our job as a church is to, uh, to make you hungry and resource you accordingly. Your job is to then uh, grow your faith and to uh, take the necessary steps to do that. Some of you are judging me really hard right now. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, so the book of Exodus, uh, we talked a little bit about this last week, about how uh, this is one of the most important books in Scripture. Why? Because when you read throughout Scripture, it keeps referring back to this time of the Exodus. And then we made this statement that you can't fully grasp the depth, the depth of God's faithfulness without fully grasping the Exodus story. And so that's why we're diving into it. And uh, last week we looked at chapters 1, a little bit of chapter 2, and uh, we saw a few different points. One was that God's promises never fail. And the second is that God moves through small acts of faithfulness. And we met this guy named Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is the king of Egypt at that time, and uh, and he, that's his title, not his name, but he, uh, he was scared of the Israelites. They were becoming a great nation, and he was scared of, you know, maybe them uprising or, or crazy, creating some issues within his, uh, his country. And so he actually made a command to everybody in Egypt that if an Israelite boy is born, I want you to kill him. And then we meet some other people who are just faithful. We meet these midwives, and they don't listen to Pharaoh's command. Instead, they listen to God, and they save a lot of kids, a lot of boys in that time. Then we meet this couple, this guy and this girl. We don't even know their names, but they were faithful to God's command to marry within the nation. So they do that, and together they have a little boy, and his name is Moses. And we're going to look at Moses' story a little bit more in depth today in the people of Israel. And where is God in the midst of the desert? When you're in the midst of that wandering and that hoping for something more and the pain sometimes that comes along with life and all of that, where is God in the midst of that? Now Moses is born and his mom puts him in a little basket, sends him down the river. She does that because she knows that he's supposed to be killed. So she thinks maybe this is his way uh, of surviving. What's fascinating is that Pharaoh's daughter actually is by the river uh, a little while later and she sees this basket, opens it up, it's Moses, and she decides to raise Moses as her own. So I love this because the Pharaoh makes this command to kill all these Israelite boys, and then his own daughter is now raising an Israelite boy under his house. He knows that, uh, but he doesn't do anything about it. So Moses is actually raised as kind of a grandchild of Pharaoh. He gets all of the privileges, all the education, everything that he could, he could ask for. And then after that, he grows up, and then this is what we read. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. 
He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, which are the Israelites, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, all mistakes start with looking this way and that. Like all mistakes, right? And so Moses sees this guy beating his own people and he looks around. He's like, no one's watching. He kills the guy. He buries him in the sand. Now, here's what's fascinating about sin. Sin always finds you out. Sin always finds you out. No matter what the sin is, it will come to light at some point. So the next day, Moses is kind of back in the same spot, and people are like, hey, aren't you the guy that killed the Egyptian yesterday? He's like, man, I, I didn't see anybody. Like, where did you guys come from? And then Pharaoh hears about it, and it says that Pharaoh then tries to kill Moses. Now, it's the second time that he's tried to kill Moses. Moses flees. He runs into the desert. Now, at this point, what happens? I mean, I love this part of Moses' story because he's got to be thinking, man, where is God and does God even have a purpose for me? Does God even see me? Does he care? And we learn a few truths. And the first truth uh, that we find in this story is this, is that sometimes we're in the desert because of our own choices. Sometimes we're in the desert because of our own choices. And Moses wasn't wandering in the desert because Pharaoh was crazy, although he was. He wasn't wandering in the desert because people had uh, created false accusations against him. He was wandering in the desert because of his own sin. Because he chose to kill somebody, he's now find, he now finds himself alone and lost and wondering what's going on. I think sometimes in our lives, when we find ourselves in that, that situation, when we find ourselves like, and wondering like who else is around us and why are we in this and all of that, it's real easy for us to point the finger. Well, if my dad hadn't done this or if this person hadn't done that or if God would have, and it's real easy for us to blame others rather than like look at, okay, how did I participate in this? What did I do or what didn't I do that led me to this place? So many times in our faith journey, it's easier to blame God than to look at ourselves. And so many people use God to run away from God. I have conversations all the time with people and that are just wrestling through things. I was having one a few weeks back with an individual and they were talking about kind of where they're at and how they're kind of running from God. And so I'm asking about their story. Well, why are you in that place? And the, it was real easy for them to blame God. They were using God to run away from God. But as I dove a little bit deeper into the story, it was like, well, you had a part to play. Like you did this or you didn't do this or whatever. And so many times it's so much easier for me to point the finger at somebody else when really maybe I could have done something different. Maybe I could have actually done something or maybe there was something I should have avoided that led to this desert moment in my life. So truth number one is that sometimes we're in the desert because of not other people, not God, but because of ourselves. We have to look at that. We have to take ownership of that and figure out what we need to change or what we need to do differently. The second truth we find in this story is that we find our identity in God's purpose, not our struggle. We find our identity in God's purpose, not our struggle. I love his story. I love Moses' story. Because at this point, he's in the desert, and it would be real easy for him to think, God can't use me anymore. God has no purpose for my life anymore. But our identity is not found in our struggles or what we've done or our mistakes or our sins or what somebody else has done to us. Our identity is found in God's purpose for us. Like God wasn't looking at Moses thinking, man, if you just weren't a murderer or if you weren't a shepherd or if you weren't a wanderer, then I could use you. Moses might have been thinking that. 
He might have been thinking, man, if I, didn't, if I didn't make this mistake, if I didn't act harshly at this one moment in my life, if I wasn't just sitting out here taking care of sheep, then maybe God could use me. But God wasn't looking at a story like that. And he, you fast forward, and in the desert, he, he comes across uh, these seven girls, and they're all daughters to the same dude. God bless that man. And he helps them out, and they go back and they tell their dad, and their dad's like, oh, that's awesome. And he marries off one of his daughters to Moses, which is super weird culturally. Thank God we don't do that anymore today. But he marries off one of his daughters to Moses, and then Moses begins taking care of his sheep. He begins to be the shepherd for his father-in-law. Now, it would be real easy for him to think, man, God can't use me. Well, what God's doing is he's actually preparing him. He's showing him how to survive in the desert because one day he's going to lead over a million people out of Egypt into the desert. Like God's just preparing him. God's just using part of his story for this bigger story that he's creating. In Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses uh, seeing this burning bush, and he walks up to it, and God starts to speak to him. He's like, hey, I've heard the cries of my people, and I'm going to use you to set them free. So God is using all of this for a bigger purpose. And that's where Moses' identity should be wrapped up in. It would have been real easy for him to say, but I'm a murderer, or God can't use me. Or I'm just a shepherd. Why would God ever choose me? Or I'm just a wanderer. I'm an outcast. Whatever it may be, it would have been real easy for him to use excuses as to why God can't use him. And I think sometimes we probably do the same. I think sometimes you and I, we, it's easy for us to look at our story, to look at our past, to look at our current struggles, our, our mistakes, our sins in our lives, to look at, you know, kind of our upbringing. Whatever it may be, it's real easy for us to look at those things and give an excuse as to why God can't use us or why God can't do something in our lives. It's real easy for us to say, like, well, I'm just a divorced individual or I'm just a student or I'm an addict or I'm a CEO or I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm just whatever it may be. But you're so much more than that. I mean, people could put a label on you or you could put a label on yourself, but it doesn't mean that that's who our, your identity is. Like for me, it's, I, I can have a label on me for a lot of things. There's a lot of bad things that I've done that people can label on me. There's a lot of good things that I've done that people can label on me. One of the biggest labels that I get all the time is pastor. So people meet me, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yes, and I'm so much more than that. Right, like that's a title. That's, that's all that is. It's simply a title. There's so much more to me than just pastor. And so many times, it's, I think it's easy for us to think, well, man, this has happened to me, so that's who I am. Or this is the mistake that I made, so this is who I am. Or this is my role in life, so this is who I am. But what if you're so much more than that? Like, what if when God sees you, when God looks at you, he doesn't see those mistakes and, and the sins and, and the struggles and what people have done to you and all of that. What, when God looks at you, he sees purpose. He sees somebody that he wants to use for a bigger story. How would that change our outlook? Like if we saw our identity wrapped up in God's purpose for us, how would that change the way that we see our past? The way that we see the situation that we find ourselves in right now, the way that we see our mistakes. Maybe we would see that God is writing a bigger story. And if God is writing a bigger story, then I want to be a part of that. If Moses would have thought my identity is I'm a murderer, 
or I'm an outcast or I'm just a shepherd or I'm a wanderer or whatever, he would have never gone back to Egypt. He would have never set the people free. He would have never lived out God's purpose for his life. So your purpose, your identity is not wrapped up in your struggle. It's wrapped up in God's purpose for you. And last, a third truth, and maybe the most powerful truth for some of us in here today is that even in the desert, God sees and hears you. That even in the desert, God sees and hears you. And I know for some of us, it's hard, hard for us to believe. Like some of you are walking through some real pain right now. Some of you are walking through some struggles that I've never walked through or maybe I don't understand. Some of you are in a season right now where you feel like you're in a desert, like no one, no one can understand what you're dealing with. No one can understand what you're walking through. And where is God in the midst of this? And I love the end of chapter 2 because it gives us a glimpse of where God is. It gives us a clue of where he is. Chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. I love how it starts with this phrase, during that long period. It's almost like the author is acknowledging the pain. Like this wasn't like, ah, it's no big deal. That Pharaoh, he was pretty bad, but whatever, keep going. Like, no, this was, it was a long period. It was hard. And some of you right now are in the midst of a long period. Maybe it's in the struggles of your marriage or the ending of a marriage. It's a long period. Maybe you're having struggles with a kid. It feels like it never gets better. Or maybe, you know, it's like the old Paula Abdul song, you know, two steps forward or whatever it was. And you feel like you keep taking steps back and all that. And it's a long period. Or maybe it's in your mental health. You feel like you just can't catch a break. You're never going to get better. The medicine's never going to help. The doctors aren't helping. Or maybe it's just the weight of everything. I was talking with an individual a few weeks ago, and this person isn't struggling with mental health. They're not going through divorce. It's just life is weighty. I was talking to somebody before the first service about like how like parenting is hard. Like it's just hard. Like it, and it weighs on you. Maybe that's what some of you are going through right now with in your schooling or at your workplace or just in your personal journey. And it's been a long period. But then right after that, it says that their cry went up to God and God heard them. And then it says that he remembered his covenant, which means he remembered his promises. That sounds kind of strange. Like, did God forget his promises? Was God like, oh man, I forgot about that. I forgot I told you that. No. When that phrase is used, it means two things. One, it means that his promises are on the forefront of his thoughts. It means he's like, no, no, but I promised you. I know, I know I hear the cries. I know what you're going through, but I promised you. 
And the second thing it means, every time that phrase is used, God moves. Every time in the Bible where it says God remembered something, God moves. Here it says that God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Another translation says that God saw the Israelites and God knew. That phrase God looked on or God saw literally means that God purposely with intent looked at his people. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I saw them in passing. Oh yeah, I kind of heard something bad was going down there. No, no, God like purposely looked at them and he knew. Knew what? He knew their cries. He knew their pain. He knew the hardships that they were walking through. And because he remembered his promises, he moved. It's really a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing of a few thousand years later where God would hear our cries again, our cries of slavery, not slavery to a nation, but slavery to our sin. And he would move and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, but not stay dead, but to rise from the dead three days later, to conquer death and conquer sin, so that you and I could be set free, so that you and I could have true identity in him, so that you and I could have purpose, so that we, when we call upon God, we can trust and believe that God will move, that God will respond. Here's what's fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are many times where the people were crying out to God, and it was almost like God didn't hear them. He did, but like in their moment, they must be thinking like, God, where are you? And we talked about this last week about like at the end of Genesis, you get to the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, and then you open up the very next page and it's Exodus chapter one. And we read that like it's one day to the other. Like Genesis stopped and then tomorrow the Exodus began. The reality is there was 400 years in between that time period. 400 years of did God move? Has God spoken? Does God see me? In the Old Testament, it was a lot harder for the people to maintain faith than I believe it is for us. Why? Because we have Jesus. When you choose to receive Christ in your life, what you're actually doing is you're inviting God into your life. And so when you're walking through something, you don't have to wonder if God sees you or if God knows. All you have to do is cry out and God responds. It may not be in the way that we want. It may not be in the exact timing that we want, but God will always move. Why? Because you've invited him into your life. He hears you and he will respond. So some of us right now, we're in the midst of a desert season. You're in the midst of wondering, where is God? And does God see me? And does God even care about this? First, I want you to know that your identity is not wrapped up in your struggle or your mistakes. It's not wrapped up in what other people have said about you, what other people have done to you. It's not wrapped up in your role. That You're just a business person. You're just a mom. You're just a whatever it may be. Your identity is wrapped up in God's purpose for you. And so if you can admit that, hey, man, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like I, I've allowed my identity to be wrapped up in something else. And when we go to response time here in a few minutes, I'm going I'm to challenge you and encourage you to go to the crosses. The cross is an opportunity for us. There's paper, there's pens over there. You just write it down, pin it to the cross, whatever it may be. But it's an opportunity of like confession. I'm saying, God, I, I don't want my identity to be built upon this. 
I don't want my identity to be this. And so if that's you and you can admit like, man, no, my identity has been wrapped up in something else other than God's purpose, go to the cross. Go to the cross, write it down, put it to the cross and leave here with God's purpose guiding you and being your identity. And then for some of us, God brought you here today to let you know that even in the midst of the desert, he sees you and he hears you. Like even if you're questioning that statement right now, the fact that you're here, the fact that you're watching online means that the God of the universe drew you here today so that you could hear that statement. Just so he can let you know, hey, I got you. I see you. I love you. I care about you. And sometimes, sometimes we don't hear that because we don't create the space for it. There's so much noise in our culture. There's so much noise in our lives that it's harder for us to hear when God wants to speak to us. That's why, it's, that's why Sunday morning is so important coming here because you can hear a direct word from God's word. But God wants to speak to you all the time. And so make space for that. When we do response time, even if you just want to sit right where you are, you want to get a little charismatic, you can like open your hands up like this. Like, God, I'm going to receive what you have for me today. I'm going to receive whatever you want to say to me, whatever you want to speak to me, I'm going to receive it today. If this is the space that you're in right now, then man, join us on Monday through Friday at the ministry center at noon. Join us for the time of worship. Put, put an alarm on your phone and be like, yo, go to the ministry center today. If you've got the space for it, come. Create that. Join with other believers in seeking God and going, God, come through. God, move. God, I want to hear you. I want to see you. Some of you are right now in the midst of a desert season. I want you to know our God knows you. And he knows your story. And I'm not saying that that makes everything better. I'm not saying that just because God sees you and God hears your cries that you go home today and everything changes. I wish that were true. I hope that's true for you. But it may not be the case. The fact that you can walk out of here knowing, like you take a story that happened thousands of years ago, but is so relevant to us today. My prayer is that you can walk out of here knowing that the God of the universe, he does see you. And he does care about you. And he does hear your cries. And he will, because it's a promise, he will respond. In his perfect timing, in his perfect way, but he will respond. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we can look at this story from thousands of years ago and see our story and theirs, that we could take a character like Moses that movies have, have been built around, that books have been written about, and we can look at his story and go, but it's also my story. Man, I'm in the midst of the wandering in the desert. Or I've been there before. So for God, for those who are right there in the midst of it right now, that God feel very alone or very isolated or just wondering if you're going to move, we feel like we, we just want to give up on prayer. We just want to give up on our faith with you. I pray that today, God, you would move. Please, Father, move. Show up. Let us know that you hear 
our cries. That you see this long period that we're in right now. God, heal us. God, change our kids. God, move in our marriage. God, do something different in our work. God, use us as a student. Whatever it may be, God, move. And we know that you see us and you hear us. Father, we know this whole conversation first, really, to know that you hear our cries, all of that, Father, revolves around Jesus. Some of you have come into this place today, maybe you feel far from the Lord, maybe you feel so distant from Him. Maybe you've even been asking those questions, does God see me? Does God even care? And God brought you here today to say, come home. What does that mean? It means receiving what Christ has done for you, that yet while we're still sinners, Christ died for us so that we can be made new, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have new life. So Father, I pray that those of us in here, that we would take a step of faith today. What does that look like? Well, maybe for some of you, you've never received what Christ has done for you. You've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe for others of you, you've done that before, but and just because of the pain of life and the struggles or because of sin or whatever, you just kind of walked away and you feel very distant from him. God is saying, come home now. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, we do this every service. Last, week, last service, more people raising their hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to say, hey, if you want to commit your life to Christ, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, you want to come home. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to raise a hand. I just want to know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. If you're watching at home, you can simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. I want you to know if you raise your hand or you text that word that our God sees you. And if you're in the crowd and you're like, oh, I want to do that, but I wasn't sure what you're actually going to ask of us, God knows your heart. And I want you to know I'm proud of you. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Not the easiest, but the greatest. As a church, we'll walk with you. But I'm proud of you. The Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing. So we rejoice with you in this moment. And God, for all of us, tell us what our next steps are. Tell us how we're to trust more in you, to hear from you, to make our identity wrapped up in your purpose and know that you care. In Jesus' name.